Hi, and welcome to the Seven Elements of Wellness podcast. I'm Trisha Marcus. And I'm Lacey Wall, aka L-Dub. We are the creators of the Seven Elements of Wellness lifestyle routine, dedicated to helping you feel good more than you don't. The Seven Elements of Wellness are spiritual, mental, emotional, relational, nutritional, physical, and financial. And what we found is that we're all living these elements. It's how much attention are we giving each one. Because where your attention goes, your energy flows. When you combine them all and they flow together, it's powerful. This is personal development combined with an overall wellness program. After over 15 years spent on our own health and wellness journey and trying countless practices and modalities, we discovered it's not woo-woo, it's wellness. Woo-woo. Each one of us is on our own path, and what resonates with one might not resonate with another. The purpose of this podcast is to save you time, money, and energy by bringing you the knowledge and the tools that can help empower you and meet you where you're at. It's really a journey of self-love, a foundation to help you be the best version of yourself and let go of the version of you that tells you you're not. Learning to get uncomfortable with being uncomfortable and just be. Let's go. Let's see how many days in a row we can flow. everyone. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Courtney Stoll and today I'm here with Trista Marcus. Hello. We are here talking all about the nutritional element and it was so powerful. Our guest Alyssa Blue had so much knowledge and information and her story is so inspiring. We split this into two episodes. So today is episode one and we will follow up with the second one. Trish, tell us about how you met Alyssa and how she has inspired you. I know you guys have worked together. Share, share a little bit about, about your experience with her. Yeah, we were both on health journeys, which led us to be part of a DNA wellness company. And from there, we were in a lot of trainings. Um, we joined a group that was called Path Changers, um, Lacey, I, and Alyssa. And um, it was all about positively pivoting people's paths and one of the seven pillars of health, which is a lot of where the seven elements has stemmed from. Um, so we've just kind of grown together in every way. She is a wealth of knowledge, so I've just kind of soaked that up. And she's just became soul family. And to watch what she does and how she can articulate and inspire people in these areas is unbelievable. And her story is really impactful. Just really proud of her and all that she's become and what she's doing to help others on this path of healing. Like she's healing and serving others. She's an inventor. She's uh, went from aerospace engineer to like a functional practitioner. Mm -hmm. And it's not just, you probably could have had 10 episodes out of this. You could have talked for days with our knowledge. Yes. Um, And it's way more than nutritional. It's everything. It's all the elements because really there's so much mindset in here and we will put all of her resources and information in the show notes because again, yeah, you're going to want to go and explore this much more than we have time to talk about. Absolutely. (laughs) Okay. So let's jump in with Alyssa and talk about the nutritional element. Alyssa Blue, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Grateful to be here. You flew in from Florida. Yes. <laughs> to be with us for our event, our nutritional element event that was just a couple of days ago. Yeah, was- that was an adventure. <laughs> I, I, you might have to tell us about your crazy adventure getting here. But that was an amazing event. There was so much beautiful information. So I'm so happy that you get to be here in our podcast studio with us and share a little bit more on your knowledge with us about the nutritional element. It is so 
fascinating to me the knowledge that you have and the expanded understanding that you have about nutrition in the body and water and we're going to touch on all of that all of that today <laughs> a lot to expound on <laughs> yes there is so tell us a little bit about you tell us your story take it away <laughs> so yeah it's definitely been a decades long journey and i think the evolution continues for us i don't think the learning ever ever stops i uh, i call it my pain to purpose story and so many of us that have ended up in this functional medicine and coaching space have come from our own our own journey uh, overcoming challenges and mine started when I began competing in gymnastics around six to seven years old I had um, some pretty debilitating gut issues that I were told was just normal and most of my childhood I was treating with Pepto-Bismol and Imodium AD and told to get back out there and do my best I was training 20 to 25 hours a week training to be an elite level gymnast with hopes as a young child to be an Olympic level athlete and then sustaining some pretty serious injuries where I was like, okay, maybe I, I still have college in my sights. And then uh, when I got to be 16 years old, I was put in a back brace. I had was told I had scoliosis, so I had to sleep and fondly called it a turtle shell. Wow. Oh <laughs> so my goodness. I was braced from underneath my armpits to my hips. I had to sleep in it every night, still competing. So now I'm wow. icing on my shins, icing my shoulders, and the final, I guess, like nail in the coffin for that career in gymnastics was me um, actually, we started out with dislocating my shoulder and I competed an entire season on it. And fast forward, um, I had torn my anterior ligament. Uh, the ligament was attached, but it was frayed off the bone. And they're like, yeah, you're pretty much pretty much done. And I was in so much pain by then. I was just like, okay, the physical pain was enough to be like, all right, let this go. And uh, it was a really challenging decision to make because it was my identity at the time. And I didn't really know where I was going to go from there. Uh, and then I just really kind of plunged myself into school. And that was like my junior, senior year of high school. Took a bunch of advanced placement courses, graduated with honors. I thought this is what I was supposed to do. You know, we all have these kind of programs that we're born with where we want to be achievers. We want to please our parents or our coaches or whoever we're, we might be doing it for at the time. It, I definitely didn't realize I wasn't doing it for myself and was living out of alignment with my purpose. But that is a big part of my story. I had to understand that contrast to come to this place. It took me until I, I, I went to college. I still ended up <laughs> being in sports. I, I was a collegiate cheerleader. I, I competed in fitness competitions and I graduated with a degree in aerospace engineering. So uh, my type A personality was uh, firmly rooted in the fact that I was uh, I wanted to be a high achiever and I wanted to perform and, and do all of these things, but I didn't really ever ask myself the question like, who am I doing it for? And where do I want to go with my life? And am I actually happy? Like there was never that that concept that I deserve to be happy and living a fulfilling life. It was just compete, perform, succeed, get a job. Okay, I want to go back just a little bit because I feel like there's heart in this story. You're you're talking about <laughs> being a, like a teenager as a gymnast and you're in pain. You're wearing a brace and you're still competing. So <laughs> When you were talking about, when you were saying, you know, I, I wasn't, I didn't realize that I wasn't doing it for me, you know, I wasn't, am I really happy doing this? I just want to know a little bit more about like a 16 year old girl. That's a lot. And that's really heavy. You know, it's, it is a lot. So I started gymnastics at four years old and it was really a cute story. I got dropped off at a birthday party and we were on the trampoline and we were running around and playing and it started out really quaint and fun. Mm -hmm. And I think as a child, that's all, you know, we desire to do. We just want to play and have more fun and have connection. 
And it was something like this experience of being in this human body that was so cool to me to be, you know, tumbling and running and doing backflips and all of these things that I had never experienced before. And I never wanted to leave. So it was something for my mom. She's like, oh, she found what she likes. If she wants to do that, I'm going to honor that and let let her keep doing what she loves. And it wasn't until, again, I started competing at such a high level, but it was still young. I mean, I started competing like six to seven years old and went to, you know, an optional level athlete where, again, the training, I mean, full-time public school schedule, homework, that regimen and routine, and then training 20 hours. I mean, I was going to gymnastics Monday to Friday, like 5.30 to 9.30 at night, sometimes on Saturday for five hours. So it was just life. So there really wasn't the question at the time, because I mean, I had friends that I had made there, you're competing on a team. So it's, it becomes just your world. It was, it was my thing. It was my sport. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think I I quit the first time I broke both of my legs within nine months of each other in in middle school, two different injuries, both stress fracture related. I partially tore my Achilles tendon. Oh my goodness. I cracked my heel. Like I've never gone this in depth in my story, but yeah, I mean, there was so much physical pain where my body was giving me these signs and signals like, hey, maybe we should make a shift. But it wasn't clear. Like I was still so, again, so much rooted in the fact that like this is what I had to do. This is who I am. Yeah. That I I couldn't leave. I would walk out crying because I was in pain. And I just, my mom would ask. She's like, why are you doing this to yourself? Mm. But it, it wasn't conceptualized then. There was no broader like, tapping into the subconscious and like this is your universal path and you know you're straying from what your purpose is on this planet it was those weren't the questions of a 13 year old it was right this is this is who I am and this is what I'm doing yeah I mean there was some slight wake-up call I guess because when I did quit in that time frame my body changed pretty rapidly and that's when you were six uh, I was 13 you were 13 oh that was the first time yeah the first time I quit I was 13 in eighth grade i quit for about a year to allow my my legs to heal um and I was bored I don't even know if it was boredom it was just like a part of my soul was missing I think it was much deeper for me at that time because like this is what you do and Mm -hmm. I I loved the sport so much I loved how it made my body feel it wasn't as as a 13 year old it wasn't like how I looked it was like oh I'm skinny and I'm really muscular I mean at nine years old I had like a six-pack abs and people are like what does she do (laughs) I'm like well you know you train I could eat whatever I wanted and it wasn't the greatest diet you know looking back doing what I do now it set the stage for that yeah and I was living on you know Mountain Dew and Slurpees and eating you know crap food that wasn't nourishing my body but it was something as a kid that you know, we enjoyed the flexibility of being able to consume whatever calories that we wanted, even if it was providing zero nourishment to my growing muscles and bones and joint health and all of that. Yeah. So I yeah. think, I mean, looking back, if I had to make a logical explanation for why my body might not have been able to handle it. Yeah. Time under tension. Uh, you guys do a lot of work with genetics here. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Looking at my, my genetic structure, like I could have trained two to three days a week. My body would have fared par- far better. Mm-hmm. And I might have gone a lot longer in that gymnastics career without my body breaking down. Mm. And then having that nourishment as well. So there is a really important part of actually having mind over matter. Yes, about the thoughts that you're, you're thinking and what you're choosing to consume. But the actual nutrition that you're providing your body is really important. Yeah. Um, 
And for you to have to learn that experience, because this is a big part of your story, because I, I know where it ends up. And I'm, I'm so <laughs> looking for it. Like, we're going to keep going because that is a big piece of your story. So at 16, 17, around junior year high school, that's when you officially stopped. Yeah. But you were forced to stop, basically, right? Yeah. Your body was like done. It was it was done. So I went back. I decided to go back again. My body had changed. I was like a woman at this point in time. So I'm, I'm trying to compete and throw my body through the air and I have, I've changed my, my structures changed. So learning that, and then all of the, the injuries come back, all of the pain comes back. I mean, chronic severe shin splints where it feels like people are like stabbing you with ice picks while mm. you're running. So I couldn't throw the vault that I used to throw. I couldn't run as hard. I didn't have as much power. So that was a mental hit too. So I'm feeling it physically. I'm like, I can't do this. And like telling yourself you can't do something that you used to do um, was a really tough pill to swallow. Mm -hmm. So I had to adapt. So learning how to be more adaptive. I mean, the balance beam became my best event, which was my least favorite and scariest event prior to quitting. So all of these things, I look at my path, I'm like, all of this was steps for me to be able to do what I do now, to understand this level of awareness that I have and to be able to share that yeah. with my clients. Like, it's all on purpose. Yeah. Um, but as a 16-year-old kid where I'm like, why is my body breaking down? Yeah. That was a really challenging, it was just a, a devastating time for me because, again, like this part of me, this identity that I had built for over a decade at that point in time from childhood into teenage years, I was losing it and I had to make that decision. Um, I, I've had to make a few decisions in my life for, I guess, self-preservation and survival. Yeah. So yeah, when the shoulder, I guess I'll tell this too. I mean, <laughs> I ended up, and, and this is where I got the contrast, I guess. I reined back my training schedule that last year that I competed because I made a decision after my shoulder started dislocating and I was sleeping in this back race and I was sleeping with ice on my shins, all of these things mm -hmm. um, that I was, and it was my coach, giving me a pep talk too. Um, I reined back my training schedule with the, which they hated. So they're like, Oh, well the only way that you're going to make it to the top is by training every single day. I'm like, well, that's not how my body's going to make it. So I'm going to come two days a week and let's see how this goes. And I was one of two girls, me and one other girl made it to nationals that year for our, our level mm. that we were competing at. Mm. And it, it astounded the coaches, first of all, because they're like, how is this possible? Well, it's what my body needed. Yeah. And in that practice round before the competition, my shoulder dislocated and it was extremely painful. Mm -hmm. And like to the point where I was walking around a mall that night with like ice on my shoulder and the icy hot patches. I'm like, I don't think I can do this. I really don't think my body can. And my coach is like, you're going to get up there and do this. Mm -hmm. Like, so that grit and that mm -hmm. desire, again, the desire to please and like human performance, like we are mm -hmm. so much stronger than we think our physical bodies are. And it's just this mental will to get to where we want to go. Mm -hmm. We can do anything we put our mind to. Yeah. I didn't have that concept at the time. I just was doing it. Yeah. I just did it. And uh, I was living in that moment. And I ended up taking second place in on balance beam like again yeah. something that was my least favorite uh, of all of the four skill sets that I was competing and was the scariest at the time for me coming up in in the gymnastics world as a kid and it's like wow you completely switched up the game for mm -hmm. yourself yeah I had something to prove and like taking that that away with me I was satisfied and that was like okay I can walk away from this feeling complete 
Yeah. And then I had to, to heal. <laughs> yeah. So I, again, going back to just, that was your identity. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe a lot of us can relate to that. At a young age, we usually find something that we identify with and we create that mm-hmm. to be our life. Like, this is what I do. This is who I am, you know? And so I can see where, yeah, being a gymnast, I, I actually was a gymnast myself. I was not anything <laughs> like you were, but I remember making those choices at a young age of like, am I going to really do this? Am I going to jump in and do four hours every day after school or am I not you Mm -hmm. know and so I went the cheerleading route (laughs) instead that was a lot less you know I I left the gym and did did cheerleading and and that's what you were saying that you kind of did too so let's bring you through that so you got to college so I tried out for actually my senior year of high school so I guess my my competitive nature didn't end there so I allowed my body to heal for a year my senior year of high school I did co-ed competitive cheerleading so still getting to do some of the tumbling and the gymnastics, nothing as rigorous. I got to actually really be in a team sports. Now you're working with like 50 other people and it was amazing. Yeah. You have to have trust. I was a flyer. So like people are throwing (laughs) me up in the air and like learning a whole new set of skills, which I think for my personality as well. And you guys talk about human design. Like I love, I'm a manifester. I like learning new things. I get bored and I I love like problem solving. So this was something that my body had, had never done before. I'm like, I'm trusting in someone else. So I was learning a whole new set of skills for my physical body and mentally and emotionally. So I love that. Um, and that allowed me to try out for collegiate cheerleading. Uh, I went to the University of Miami. I tried out for the co-ed squad and I ended up uh, cheering my freshman year on the all-girl squad, mm. which was really cool for me as well. Because again, back to this this female bonding aspect where gymnastics was all women, the cheerleading was all women. And now, you know, I'm getting to have this evolution where I'm an only child. So I've never had brothers and sisters. So learning how to be be a team player. And and that was like really like foundational for me and learning that because I had never developed those skill sets before. So learning that, that trust and communication was really important for me. And the first time I was away from home too. And now I'm living on a college campus. So like the first year as an adult. So that was such a cool experience. Um, it was the last year that University of Miami played in the Orange Bowl. Mm. This was like 2005, 2006. It was an incredible life experience. I mean, you're in front of like 100,000 fans, like screaming and cheering at you. And you're, you're, I'm the flyer. So I'm on the top of this like three-story <laughs> pyramid. <laughs> like It was just like memories I'll never forget. Yeah, no, and that's beautiful. And I think it's important that we touch upon these things because your life is so drastically different now, which we're going to get to. (laughs) But I really just want to emphasize how beautiful your life was before. It wasn't like, oh, that wasn't working for me, so I did this instead. You had a beautiful life with amazing experiences. And and that's just kind of how life goes. We pull (laughs) all of our awareness, all of our experiences. It's all a learning process, right? So let's talk aerospace engineering (laughs) because that, when I found that out about you, you that you you studied aerospace engineering and you majored in that and you you were working in that field Mm -hmm. and you walked away from that so touch a little bit about your draw to the science to all the science of aerospace and engineering and where did that come from and then where was the moment when you shifted top gun (laughs) (laughs) that's horrible Um. no i love that okay you have to elaborate on that all right so one of my favorite movies growing up, but it was something that in high school I excelled a lot in math and it was a strong suit for me. And I think it was something that, you know, in a curiosity for science and problem solving. So it seemed like engineering would be a good fit. 
as a 17 year old being given a sheet of paper to determine what you're going to study for the or study or, you know, the career field you're going to work in for the rest of your life is kind of a daunting task. I just remember sitting there like, what do I want to do? And not realizing the magnitude of that decision. Like you have to make a check marks, check mark right. on a, a sheet of paper. Like, yeah. Oh, do you want to study architectural engineering? Which I was reading a uh, fountainhead at the time by Anne Rand. I don't know if the listeners are familiar with this like prolific author in the 1900s, but it's like, I was enamored with her writing and theory on existentialism and, so I guess that might have been like my first hint into like this whole side of philosophy and how important the mind is and purpose and really starting to question what I wanted to do for the first time in my life. Um, and I thought it was going to be architectural engineering. And I was like, is it architecture or aerospace? And it's like, oh, I really love planes. So it was like <laughs> super, like superficial at that point in time where like the decision was coming from. And uh it, actually, the determining factor for me as a kid at 17 was like, well, architectural engineering and it's a dual major and that's that's six years of schooling. I think I want to do four right now. That's a good decision for me. Yeah. <laughs> and and I chose it. And I, and I always again, I knew I love planes and the senior year. This is like what solidified it for me. I went and did a tour of Edwards Air Force Base out in California. Mm. Uh, my uncle worked at Lockheed Martin, but this was going to be for a civilian higher job. He was a contractor, but just the energy of being out on the base, like things I got to see there, it's like, I don't even know how to explain it. There were F-22s, dog fighting. I got to go inside the, the test stealth bomber and just seeing and experiencing that, like the planes breaking the sound barrier. Like, it was something that was like an energy for me. Like when you feel like your, your hair stand up on its end, you get goosebumps. Like it's like, yes, this is so exciting. This is what I want to do. Yeah. And I wanted to fly and I was like, okay, this is the next best decision I can go be an engineer and work side by side with, you know, military and advancing this technology. And I didn't even really understand what it meant. You know, the military industrial complex, there's so much, such a greater implication than that. But it was just like the awesome power and technology of what humans have created at the time that really excited me. It lights you up. Like I can just see you talking <laughs> about it and it does. And that's something to me that's like, what? Like that <laughs> concept and all of that is, is way over my head. So tell us a little bit about your first job then. So you graduated and where was your first job and what were you doing? Oh girl, I talk about challenge and like perseverance. I graduated in 2009 and we were coming out of a recession. No one was hiring. Mm. So I, I was super confident, right? So I had had that experience out of Edwards. Um, I had determined ideally that that place wasn't for me to live. Cause they were like, oh, this is in the middle of everywhere. And I'm looking around from Florida, Miami, you're in the city, like you're in the middle of nowhere. This is a <laughs> desert. There's no town. I don't know if I could do this. So ultimately that wasn't for me. I graduated and it was May, 2009. And it wasn't until March, 2010 that I actually got a job. So it was me going on interviews, applying, going to conferences, meeting people. And I was kind of losing hope. I was actually being told, I'm like, Hey, maybe you should go join the military. I'm like, wait, 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 this is why I chose to be an engineer instead of devoting 10 years of my life to the service. So I could work alongside them and do good work without that level of commitment. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, wasn't, wasn't a commitment person. So yeah. <laughs> this yeah. was an interesting thing and being a manifester, I like change. So, yeah. and I had no idea what any of that meant. I just knew I didn't like, I didn't like to be locked into anything yeah. <laughs> if I wanted to change. So yeah. I, I get hired on as a civilian DOD. So as the department of defense, 
was a civilian hire. I wasn't working for a contractor, so I was directly a government worker. And funny enough, we're sitting here in St. George, Utah. I got hired on to Hill Air Force Base, which is about 35 miles north of Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So I moved from Miami to Salt Lake. Oh. Which is, yeah. <laughs> that's a that's an interesting change. Yeah. Completely different. Yeah. Uh, not only topographically, you know, the landscape is completely different, but socially. Yeah. And I moved alone. So now I'm... Mm. 22-year-old single female working alongside military, mostly men, Mormon, married, all the M's you can think of. Right, right. (laughs) Um, And I knew no one. So it Mm. was like, okay, what am I going to do? And I I plunged myself into work and found out very quickly that being an, I don't even want to say this this way, but I have to, that being an overachiever in that place and space um, isn't desired. Mm. They're like, "You're, you're doing your work too fast. Or I'd hear the emails are going to keep coming in. So, you know, why worry? Just, just sit back and like, Hmm. do what you can. And I'm like, but this is what I can. Like I was so used to being a, a top performer, whether it was scholastically or in gymnastics, I always piled more things on myself. Mm. I didn't realize I was, you know, in burnout, like how, how amazingly difficult and devastating this can be downstream to what it does to the physical body when we stress ourselves out consistently. But this is what I thought I had to do. This is like, I wanted to prove myself. Yeah. And they're like, no, 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 no. Pump the brakes. (laughs) Well, that's what you were used to. Mm -hmm. That was, that was how you do things, Mm -hmm. right? So I had to find an outlet. And uh, I think at that point in time, like I, I met with the highest ranking civilian on the base and they had a bigger office with more windows instead of a cubicle. And I'm like, is this what I want my future to look like? So I think for the first time I was really starting to question like my place in the world. Like, who am I? Why am I here? What is my purpose? And I didn't have an answer to that. But I feel like we're always guided on our path. And I talk about like this pain to purpose story and nothing is an accident. Life is happening Mm -hmm. for us, not to us. And it was always being guided. So I I had an amazing experience living in Utah that first year. I, I only lasted a year here. But in that short amount of time, like some of the memories that I have are the best of my life. Like I grew up with flat land, horizon, all four directions. I get out here and I see the Wasatch Range and I just fell in love with the mountains. Mm. I was trail running, I was hiking, I was climbing, I was just exploring this new magical land. And for me, it was like, I need to be out here. Mm. My soul had a calling to be out West. And I, I knew that, you know, the job maybe like at the time it's like, oh, this is your career. This is what you're supposed to do, right? Like that's tribal consciousness. We're told we are supposed to do things and this is the choice that you made. Well, that's why the decision got made for me essentially when I got really sick. Uh, basically a year to the day that I started that job, I started having uh, chronic severe migraine headaches, losing limb function, losing vision to the point where like my boss like carried me into the yard and like, what is wrong with this girl? Mm. So I looked like the epitome of health. And that's what I, I talked about on the stage the other night. Like, People looked at me and they're like, well, you look fit. You do fitness competitions. You work out. You eat healthy. Like I was like raising like air quotes, quote unquote, healthy. Because my trainers were like, oh, eat chicken and brown rice and broccoli and whey protein. And you're going to look great. And I was dying on the inside. Really? Yeah. It changed everything for me. It wasn't at the time. I didn't think it was the job. I'm like, I could do the job. Um, it wasn't anything that I learned in school. My favorite part of the job was going to like hang out with the planes and the hangar. <laughs> like I just got to like be around jets, which that's a passion. Like I still love it. I'll go to an air show and it's like a geek out. I love it. Yeah. But do I want to work in that career field and support that identity? No, my time is so much better served helping people feel better mm-hmm. so they can be the best version of themselves. Yeah. 
and the machines there's there's tech manuals you follow the the steps <laughs> they're already it's outlined right like Read this is what you gotta do and <laughs> we have people that are really good at doing that and following those directions and like those steps and that path and it's like that time for me I was like oh shoot I thought I was this like black and white I need that a plus b equals c answer and it started really questioning the foundation in which I had believed my entire life was that it was just everything was was this way like this black and white um breaking out of the matrix is what I like to call yeah <laughs> so what happened to you when you reached that point of sickness where did you literally have to quit your job and shut down or what happened so the first time it happened I didn't know what to think so I'm like worshiping the toilet at my office like super mm. embarrassing I can't stop throwing up can't get oh. up um and I didn't know what was going on it was just so dramatic I, I assume like I have this episode I go to the hospital they do MRI of my head. They do an MRI of my neck. There's no tumor. There's no blocked ventricles, like no impeding blood flow. They have multiple neurologists looking at this and they're like, there's nothing wrong with you. Mm. Like medically, there's nothing wrong with you. I'm like, oh, there's, so, there's clearly something wrong with yeah. me. I yes. don't feel right. Right. Um, and it was like progressing. So it's super scary. It was like, what? my body's literally breaking down on me. The only thought I had was if, like, after like the third time this happened, this episode, I'm like, uh, and I checked myself into the hospital. I didn't go to work that morning because I like woke up with it. And I went to the downtown, uh, the hospital in downtown Salt Lake City mm-hmm. on the university and I'm asking them, same thing, no answers. So this is a really scary place to be where I'm like, okay, I'm at like the young stage of my life. I'm doing all of these things that like I think are the right things for my body. I'm healthy. Medically, they don't see anything wrong with me, but I can't function. So my only thought was like, if I don't leave, if I don't move, I'm going to die here. Mm-hmm. That was it. Like that was the only thought I had. And I didn't know why, but it was God, universe, source, whatever you want to call it. It was actively pushing me out of a role that I wasn't suited to serve. Mm. It, it's unopposed with who I am and what I believe. And at this standpoint, I mean, I, I find the human body far more fascinating than rockets because no two of us are the same. Yes. Well, and they always, you know, we always hear we are taught about our greatest purpose through our experience Mm -hmm. and or we're brought to be in alignment with our purpose through our experience. Do you feel like that was what happened with you? Absolutely. I had no rational concept at the time that that's what was happening because I really wasn't questioning my reality from, again, this existential standpoint of why am I here? I was just in pain. So it forced me to move. And I think similar to the gymnastics, it it was like being hit over the head. Like I needed that physical cue to be like, okay, got to go. I wasn't questioning my awareness at that point in time. I wasn't awakening to the concept that there was even more besides going through the motions that this life had more for me at the time. So it was definitively the physical pain where I was like, all right, family medical leave of absence. Like that's what I did. I didn't Mm. know where, I mean, I had a friend. I mean, there's always, we have people that show up in our lives that are like these little gifts. I mean, you don't know why at the time they're like, Hey, maybe you should go to Vegas. There's like pool auditions. I'm like, what does this mean? They're like (laughs) to be a cocktail waitress. I'm like, all right, well I bartended in college. I supported myself. I had already known about the service industry and was comfortable in that. But to leave my aerospace engineering career to be a cocktail waitress, you got to be crazy (laughs) (laughs) to be told that. And then to tell your family that like it's just like all of these things and what are people going to think and what are they going to say and it's like well 
if I keep doing this, I'm going to be like Bill over the wall getting cancer. Like I'd hear this yeah. frequently. I don't want to be next. This is not my path. Mm-hmm. And it, it wasn't a question of like, am I going to help people with their health? I just wanted to help myself with mine. Yeah. And that's scary because it is scary when you break out of the mold and you break out of the box that you were born and raised in and, you know, you're a super high achiever. So there's probably a lot of expectations. <laughs> oh, I can, that's scary. Judgment to today still from some family members. Like, yeah. But it was my life. No one else is going to live it for me. And if there's any like message that I want to share with our listeners, it's like, hey, you get one shot at this. We get one vessel to go through this lifetime with. A, you got to take care of that vessel and B, no one else is going to live your life for you. So how much of their thoughts and opinions are really going to matter? Because they can't walk a moment in your shoes. Right. So. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. So now <laughs> you are a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner. Yes. <laughs> F- a lot of words. FDNP. Yes. There is so much behind that. And, and after the event, just a couple nights ago, you shared with us so much valuable information that actually was really mind-blowing to me because I feel like that's why I wanted you to tell your story in, in some more detail because I feel like you have taken, you know, a nutritionist practitioner stand, but you have expanded it into mindset through your awareness, through your physical experiences and it's so powerful and it's a kind of a new way of thinking that that we don't really think about a lot as, as far as mindset and and how our mind affects our physical body and all all of that how did you start on this path of becoming certified mm-hmm. to to be in a place where you could help others and serve others maybe we should go back and say what did you do for yourself what were the first steps that you took for yourself to get healthy you know i think the first instance that i had that there was something larger at play was when i packed my car up and i was driving away from salt lake away from the job and the memory and like all that had just transpired there my symptoms resolved really immediately really and i was like this is weird wow that's interesting no one told me there was no outside like i didn't read a self-help book it was literally my physical experience of this heaviness this fogginess in my head the aches that i had in my stomach like i couldn't digest food so i continued like just because it just seemed so weird when i got to vegas i had a neurologist and they did gastric emptying tests so like my gut was extremely messed up and a lot of the work that i do as an fdnp is to help heal the gut but none of this was talked about i didn't have any knowledge of this i just knew that when i left salt lake and i moved to vegas all of my symptoms resolved and i was having fun Mm -hmm. so there was something to that component that mental emotional component i had community i was making money doing something that was fun and like yeah it was me being around other people I, i felt alive and where before it was such a space for me that was very mundane and it became doing the same thing over and over again at the job in Utah. And I wasn't interacting with other people. I was stuck in a cubicle all day indoors in an old barracks that didn't have windows. So there was so much disconnection where you, you heard my talk the other night, how disconnected we are from our environment and how much we need to be connected with our bare feet touching soil and mm-hmm. blue light during the day from the sun in our eyes and on our skin to help with hormone regulation. And, you know, we we are, we are vital beings and we connect with this vital earth that we've been placed upon and we need to commune with it. We are not separate from it. 
So I think all of those boxes were being checked. I was working outdoors at a pool. So I was getting sun on my skin. I was getting blue light in my eyes. I was around people. I was laughing, like fresh air. All of these things were, were happening in the background that were helping build health in my body. And I didn't really understand it. So I was still suffering with the gut issues, but all of the extreme debilitating, I'm going to the hospital symptoms of the chronic severe migraine headaches went away instantly. Wow. wow. And yeah. it just shows that changing your environment and putting yourself in a space of, like you said, the light and the sun and the air. Mm -hmm. Wow. And it costs nothing. It right. was literally just me changing my environment. And so many of us feel that we're stuck in a place. I can't leave this job. I can't leave this relationship. I'm like, you're not a tree. You're not rooted in the ground. Like, what do you want to do with your life? Or do you want to succumb to the illnesses of staying stuck and stagnant? Because if we're not growing, we're, we're dying. We're essentially allowing ourselves to stay stagnant. And stagnation breeds rotting and dis-ease, a body not at ease. Yeah. And, and we talk about this so much in our practice we don't call, we don't label anything, right? As a FDMP, I can work with anyone from cancer diagnoses, autoimmune um, to high level athletes. It doesn't matter who I work with because I'm not diagnosing dis-ease. I'm not diagnosing anything specifically. I'm working non-specifically on every organ, cell and system in the body to build health. So it helped me come to this point in time where I've had my own personal experience of these shifts in my body to be able to then share this. And then having the engineering background to be like a personal health investigator. I am able to do this deep problem solving work where it's like I can make patterns and put pieces together in someone's life and current lifestyle and medical health history and all of these things and help make it make sense because I give their body a voice. Wow, I am speechless, right? Okay, not to leave you hanging or anything, but we are going to extend this into part two. So make sure you join us in episode 27 for the rest of this amazing story and this fantastic interview with Alyssa Blue. Hey, we would love to connect with you. We believe that community and relationships are a vital element. And when you're doing the work, sometimes it can feel lonely. It doesn't have to be. You can join us on our Seven Elements of Wellness private Facebook group. This is a group where you'll get ideas, be able to ask questions, and find the support of a like-minded community. You can also find us on Instagram at Seven Elements of Wellness. This is where you'll find out about upcoming events, look for inspiration, motivational quotes, and a lot of shares. Make sure to check out our website at sevenelementsofwellness.com. Here you can learn more about our mission and connect with our sponsors. You can purchase merchandise and get the latest on local and live streamed events. Are you guys down for a challenge? We got you covered. Head over to the website for all your challenge info, purchase a lifestyle kit, or download your free checklist. If you'd like to create your own seven elements of wellness community where you live, reach out to us. We'd love to help you get it started. The Seven Elements of Wellness podcast is created and produced entirely by volunteers who are passionate about sharing this message and assisting you on your journey to feel good more than you don't. If you would like to contribute to helping us continue to bring amazing content through this podcast and community events, we would love your support. You can find us on Venmo under our business account at Life Integrated. Any donation is so greatly appreciated and we thank you so much.